Thank you for joining us for another episode of CryptoCurrent. Just one quick reminder. CryptoCurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the CryptoCurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other cryptocurrency production is exclusively for informational purposes. Cryptocurrent crew for Cryptocurrent. I'm Stephen Miller, and you're watching the Aftershock, your weekly connection to all that's going on in the world of Web3. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, or as I should say, my COVID co-host today, Richard Carthon. Richard, how we doing? Uh, better. Um, but man, it is it has been a week, man. Uh, so of course, our Aftershock segment went out live last week, and the day after, uh, we recorded. All of the things UST Terra happened. So, and since then, you know, the market has been doing what it's doing. I, of course, have been hit up by multiple people saying, hey, what's going on with crypto? What's going on with this? This is now a scam, all this kind of stuff. And um, quick answer is no, crypto is still not a scam. Unfortunately, you have things out there that happen that is super unfortunate. Like there are people who lost uh, a tremendous amount of money in a short amount of time. And that is something serious. And it, it is, it is terrible. Um, and I see what you did there. Yeah, it's terrible. Ter- terrible. Thank you. You know, the dad jokes, we, you know, we gotta, we gotta get them ready, Steve. I mean, we're, we're, we're probably a couple of years away uh, being young married people, but I digress. Point being the last week in crypto has been a little tough. Um, it's been a tougher gut punch uh, in a lot of different ways, but um you know, hopefully we got some brighter sides coming up soon, but we're going to pack a lot of that for you. But how about you, Steve? How, how are you doing? Man, I'm actually doing pretty good. I uh, got to sit down with a good friend of mine, um, or at least I consider him a friend. I don't know what he considers me, but I got to sit down with Zeneca33, aka Roy, um, just over the weekend. That was an episode that we put out on Monday. So if you haven't yet checked that interview out, that's officially out on any podcast platform that you prefer or even on our YouTube channel. So you can check all that out, which by the way, is a great segue for me to tell you to make sure you're subscribed, right? Um, if, we, if you want to come back here and check out all the new content that we put out every week, Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, occasionally Thursdays when we were dropping crypto decrypted pieces, we would love it if you'd come back and check all that out. Um, we do post this content just for you at home so that you can get a little bit more educated and connected to what's going on in the world of Web3. Uh, but I got to sit down with Roy and it was great. Uh, caught up on a whole bunch of different things even before the show. Um, I'm really excited to see where Sun Academy is headed next. Um, but you're right. Uh, it's a certified shit show right now. There's no other way to splice it, right? You've got everything yeah. going on with Terra. You've got everything going on with Azuki and all these other communities. But we're going to give you all of that in our show, The Aftershock, right? So let's go ahead and jump into it. This is The Aftershock. The Aftershock. 
So every week on the Aftershock, we give you a rundown of everything going on in Web3, and then we take you into the latest from the metaverse. So our first story to top off the show today in the lightning round is 44 countries are apparently going to be meeting in El Salvador this coming Monday or this past Monday, depending on when you're listening to this. And they're there to discuss Bitcoin. I personally am really excited about this because it means that um, Nayib Bukele is actually making serious strides forward in terms of pushing Bitcoin for global monetary policy, especially after the, um, what was it, the World Bank or the IMF just came out and reeled against it yet again. Yeah, again. Um, yeah I'm, I'm thrilled about this. I think that it's a big progressive step forward. 44 is a lot bigger than just the number two, which is the current number of countries globally that are treating Bitcoin as legal tender. Talk to me about this next story, though. I'm really interested to hear what you think about this one. So the Shanghai High Court, yes, I said that right. The Shanghai High Court declares Bitcoin a virtual asset protected under Chinese law. Now, this is huge and falls in sync with a lot that has happened in China over the years. China says crypto's okay. China says crypto's banned. China says crypto's okay. China says crypto's banned. Now that the High Court is protected under Chinese law, this is opening the door for Chinese citizens, uh, the second biggest GDP in the world, to basically start saying, hey, you can go buy Bitcoin. And again, as, as wild as it is with the technical analysis that points to rougher days ahead for the entire crypto world, this is huge news. The fundamentals news around crypto right now is so bullish. Like something like this, this is huge news. But you know, we—I digress. We'll, we'll we'll get through it. But like, this is this is a huge step forward uh, in the in the world of crypto. The only thing that I think is really funny about what you just said is that you've got these times in the past when the market has gone from just really really great health to just absolutely tanking. You have fundamental news that's just outstanding. Like the last time that this happened, we had massive, really, really great corporate news. I remember all of it coming down the pipeline. You had news out of Google, Amazon, Walmart, like the biggest players that you would want to be playing in crypto and starting to like accept Web3. Now you're starting to get these positive stories from nation states. And I remember a time not too long ago where we would have freaked out if like the very first two stories that we were covering in the lightning round came from nation states. So I think it's it's a really big sign of what's to come. It Crypto is not over. We're reacting to world macro conditions. Um, strongly recommend if you are not up to speed on what's going on in the global economy, go check out what Raul Paul has been saying lately about it because that's exactly the person that you want to be speaking to regarding macro conditions. But let's go ahead and carry this one forward into... Yet another macro condition that seems to have no end. The U.S. stock market, you may have heard of it. It is really not doing well right now. And that is very apparent with Coinbase stock. So Coinbase stock last week took a dive on the report that Coinbase will in fact withhold all customer assets if they ever are to declare bankruptcy. The phrase comes to mind, not your keys, not your cheese, right? Yeah. Dude, I'm so over this crap with like different exchanges and claiming that they have a stake to what you're investing. Like it's just 
it's erroneous. So just uh, to clarify for all those out there, there might be a newbie and, and, and don't really follow how, how big this is. So right now, if you buy something on Coinbase, let's say you just have your regular Coinbase, not Coinbase Pro, uh, you buy Bitcoin. Um, and let's say that all of a sudden Coinbase uh, coin in the stock market goes to zero. They have to file bankruptcy. Uh, as it is written right now in the policy, you don't have, it's not yours. They can then have, to, they can liquidate your Bitcoin basically to try to help pay off of their, their bankruptcy. Yes, that is right. Your crypto is not technically yours right now in this moment. Now, the CEO did come out with a Twitter thread to kind of backtrace some of the steps and say that they're going to make adjustments to that and uh, make sure that there's some more protections in place and blah, 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 blah. But basically, until he got called out, he wasn't going to do anything about it. So if you want to protect yourself, put it on a, a wallet that is yours. And then that that way, Coinbase can't do that to you or another exchange. But the, the point is, is you got to protect your assets. Yeah, you need to protect your ass and your assets. That's it. We're <laughs> absolute sure. You know, old Chrome Dome over there is going to take your capital if you don't get it off the exchange. Um, that's just the truth. So get yourself a ledger, get yourself a hardware wallet, start custodying your own assets. Just start learning how to use those devices before you actually start moving things. In our next story, this is probably the one that shocked the most people, right? At least I would yeah. say that. Would you agree? Yeah. Um, and we saw Tether losing its dollar peg amid ongoing stablecoin crisis. So, of course, uh, the big story last week was uh, UST, which has to do with uh, Terra, the, the Terra stablecoin, losing its peg and uh, kind of spiraling out of control into being virtually worth nothing. But a lot of people were, were mistaking UST with USDT, which is Terra, uh, Tether. And so we saw a DPEG from the dollar. Um, the Tether is, is trying to be pegged to the US dollar, so always supposed to be one. It went all the way down to 95 cents. Now, the lowest, is, I think, in the past it's gone to is 92 cents, which at that point, that was a really huge deal as well when that happened. So people were freaking out. Um, and this is, again, when you think of people, uh, the fear and greed index, and you think about what people are fearful, fearful of, if you have a stable coin that's no longer stable and you're, imagine having $100,000, which did happen, like $100, $1,000, $10,000, $100,000, $1,000,000 in UST, US Tether, a week ago, you had your money. Today, you lost it all. And it was supposed to be stable. It was supposed to be quote unquote safe. So when this Tether, this stable coin starts to depeg, people start freaking out again, like, oh my gosh, I have all this Tether. What if it's not worth what it used to be worth? And so you can see how that can get people to spiral out of control really quickly. It got its peg back pretty quickly. But point is, is that when it rains, it pours. And uh, this was a very scary moment uh, for, for stable coins. The funny thing to me is like, the reason that, had, that UST got just freaking rocked was because it is by nature an algorithmic stablecoin. It's not necessarily backing to a specific set of reserves. Um, it does partially back to a treasury, but it does not necessarily have dollar for dollar reserves. With Tether and USDC, they are compliant stablecoins. So they do have an algorithmic component, but they are hybrid. So they do actually back up to treasury assets. USDT, which you know you may have heard in the last cycle, 
does not necessarily just back it up to specifically cash as a dollar for dollar equivalent. They back up to other assets in equivalent. The reason this happened and the reason why no stablecoin is necessarily impervious to depegging is just because it's the similar idea to a run on the banks, right? Your currency is going to suffer if there's an if there's an absolute run on the banks. The banks need to be able not need to be able to, but they will typically close so that you can't pull your money because they're protecting their own stuff because they've been lending against your money. So it's it's a whole messed up game, but it just goes to prove that like even in Web three, you can still have these sorts of things happen where it's a run on the bank. So fortunately, Tether did recover. I believe it's now trading roughly between 99 and 98 cents on the dollar. Yeah. But it has it has recovered its peg. It, that is within the margin of error on Tether. So it's interesting for sure. Now for the one that you were talking about. This was without a doubt the story of last week um, in just Web3 crypto and digital asset landscape. There was a bigger story in NFTs, but we'll get there. So Terra absolutely melted down. And that is, of course, Terra Luna trading under the ticker LUNA after its UST stablecoin depegged and its founder, Do Kwon, um, let's just say caused a little bit of chaos of his own. So the big thing with Do Kwon was that basically people came out from the woodwork and said, look, Do Kwon was actually working on a different stablecoin project once upon a time. And he did it, an he did it anonymously. And that stablecoin project was also an algorithmic stablecoin called Basis Cash. Totally flopped. So it's starting to come back on UST and Terra that like this guy who was an Anon totally tanked an absolutely massive project back then. And it's just going to be the same exact thing now. So more people panicked. It was just panic building on top of panic. But fortunately, um, Terraform Labs, which is Do Kwan's like, larger... I'm not sure if they call it an LLC in Korea, but in any event, their company in Korea proposed actions to save both Luna and UST. I would argue a little bit too late because everybody has completely distrusted it at this point. Yeah. Um, I, I believe his solution was to flood the market with billions of UST. Yeah, so let me speak to that. So um, a week ago, uh, Actually, a month ago, a month ago, Terra Luna's uh, ecosystem was worth $41 billion. Um, it is now down to, I believe, uh, $600 billion. Uh, no, six, uh, $600 million. So it's lost an outrageous amount of its value. It's, it's, yeah, it's basically... Roughly 95% right now. Yeah, down 95%, which might be single-handedly the greatest loss of value of any company ever. Like this will be a case study. Like this will, like this is cataclysmic, and the 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 pace and speed at which it happened um, is almost like a, a, a calculated attack. And and here's what happened. So one of the things that they did was they used uh, Bitcoin uh, as a potential head, as well uh, as collateral for their UST peg. But uh, they had a couple of uh, they were, they had the rights within their background to allow uh, their their funding uh, to 
have these one-off deals with major financial players. So you had these uh, two big players who essentially went after that Bitcoin as, as collateral. And then most likely they're the ones who shorted UST, knowing what they were doing. So as they basically took the loan in Bitcoin and then shorted against it, they then were able to buy back on the loan at the discount for their Bitcoin, paid off for basically nothing, and then able to make money with UST going down. So it's, it, it's very, very, very... Complicated. Complicated, but the, the thing to take away from this is that because they allowed these backdoor deals, it was basically the first domino to make this attack happen and make a lot of people lose a lot of money. And there was a, a small amount of people who made an outrageous amount of money. There were even people that made a lot of money at the very back end of it. Once the DPEG occurred and Luna just got crushed, a lot of people made a lot of money playing on the downside, basically betting that like at a 0. 0.002 per Luna or something like that, that they could purchase like a grand worth of that and because it was all over the place, not sure where to settle itself, they sold it like a 300 or a 500 X. Like it was just, it was insane. So this all goes to say that very complicated situation with UST. I believe the two characters that you were talking about that executed that attack, um, it's right now being, I believe it was speculated that it was Citadel and BlackRock. That's right. It, Those two. Behind that. Yeah. But, that unfortunately is the game. You need to realize who you're playing with. Um, and it is unfortunate. But this is the first real situation where we've seen a coin have a true go to zero moment um, without a doubt. And that's why a lot of people are saying right now that both because of the tether issue and the UST issue, this may very quickly ramp up CBDC development here in the United States and abroad. So we got to keep an eye on all of that. Now let's move into last week in the metaverse because I think that's enough about um, stable coins for for at least two episodes. <laughs> God, I'm so tired of talking about Luna. It's just been because you're right. Like so many people have come out of the woodwork and have wanted to talk about it and yeah, get it's, some sort it's, of clarity on it's what's overload, dude. And I'm glad we we could not talk about it, but like we're gonna just leave that alone now. So we got out of our systems, everyone. Sorry if you've already heard this a million times. We needed to cover it for a second. Bear with us. Hope it was. Slightly enjoyable, but on to the metaverse. On to more fun things. So have you heard of NASA and Epic Games? Well, they're deciding to partner on a Martian metaverse experience. Um, this is way better than stable coins. Way better. Yeah. NASA, dude. Is, I was about Let's to say, you, you want to tee up the dad joke from earlier on in the show? This is out of this world. <laughs> we got to start having a, uh, like a, like a counter, dude. Like we, we have some good ones in here like X number of days since the last work incident instead of just like <laughs> X number of minutes since the last dad joke. Yeah, That's we're terrible here. Um, so let's... <laughs> Good God, Richard, what have we done? Anyway, <laughs> Meta has announced that they're officially launching digital collectibles powered by Polygon. I think this is really cool because this comes in the same week that Instagram officially started implementing NFTs of their own. Um, so you can... I believe we talked about this last week on the show where you can now use Polygon, Solana, ETH, and there's one more. There's one other chain of NFTs that you can use. Near? 
Oh no, no, it was um, it was Flow. Flow. So, so you have all those chains that you can use on Instagram, but I think that Meta is officially starting to roll out more of its NFT integrations across the board and want to be in the game with their own collectibles. And now they have, and they look dumb. Moving on. Next story. Wait, I got to just speak on this. Polygon, the fact that Meta's built it on Polygon, there's a lot of others building on it. Watch out for Polygon. Polygon, I think, is super undervalued. Just putting that out there. Okay, I will, I will absolutely grant you that all day long. I think Polygon is undervalued. But like, let's go back for two seconds. These look so stupid. I mean, yes. Yeah. Yeah. For those of you that are not joining us on YouTube, please feel free to come over here and join us on the visual side of things every now and again. But they're literally like the human being avatars full body with like logos across their chest. Like it's just it's garbage. Um it's so bad. It's like Azuki. Just kidding. Too soon. All right. <laughs> Too soon. In our next um, story for last week in the metaverse, Richard, why don't you tell us about Genie? So new Genie feature spots undervalued NFTs with ML and AI. I'm going to let you take that. that. That would be machine learning and artificial intelligence. There we go. There has been no mechanism on an exchange at this point, especially for NFTs. It tells you in real time if something is undervalued compared to the market. There's only been metrics of rarity. I'm calling it right now. Genie is about to have an insane amount of volume spike because this is such a cool feature. I was reading about it the other day. The tech that goes into the back of it, they partnered with this other company and I can't remember for the life of me what the name of the other company was. But their tech identifies really strong buying opportunities in every single collection. It is so cool. And I'm so excited to start using Genie, especially now that gem.xyz is owned by OpenSea. I'm really kind of sad about that still. Um, but I'm going to take out my shopping frustrations over on Genie, where I can now figure out what needs to be bought and bought now. But talk to me about the next one. Pixel Vault celebrates its one year um, and Boss Beauties gets a book deal. So uh, Pixel Vault has a lot of good... Uh, NFT projects out there. And Boss Beauties is uh, one of the crypto pro uh, NFT projects we've talked about for a while. And uh, I believe their CEO got a book deal, which a book deal is a huge deal. And like Boss Beauties continues to keep finding random, huge, awesome things of value. Like I'll still never get over the fact that like they have an NFT that they're putting in like Antarctica, where they like store all the food, like in case like there's like a huge famine, so that we have seeds of stuff. Like it's insane that they even got that ready to go, but like they keep getting really cool stuff like that. I've been saying it for a minute now. Like Boss Beauties is one of the most undervalued and underappreciated collections out there. They're on the New York Stock Exchange. They're at the United Nations. They're at the Seed Vault. They have a Marvel um, partnership. Like. They were posting hints towards some bigger Marvel announcement in the last couple of days with the, like the new Miss Marvel trailer that they just launched. Like they they have so much going for them, and on this book deal, it's not just like Lisa Meyer has a book deal and she's going to write a Boss Beauties book. That's not it. This story is huge because every single Boss Beauties holder has the opportunity to write their own short story about their Boss Beauty, submit it, and get paid royalties on the book. Okay, it is huge news. 
The Pixel Vault story, they of course have a ton coming out soon, but theirs was a rebrand and a celebration of one year. Again, they're one of the other projects that's like growing quite rapidly. Um, you know, because we just came off the back of the Board Ape one year anniversary. This is the next one big one year anniversary. But I gotta tell you, man, when Boss Beauties comes around to their one year anniversary, you better believe that the alpha talk at that point is gonna be real. They're going to have huge announcements and it's going to be crazier than you've ever imagined. So I'm stoked for what they've got going on. Our next story is having to do more with NFT Worlds, which is this unique NFT project that's built on top of Minecraft. So Minecraft, biggest open source game in the world. NFT Worlds builds on that by making new unique land and you can then customize and build on that land and do all sorts of crazy things. Well, NFT Worlds just announced that they are going to be rolling out their portals protocol, which makes it easier for players to move easily between individual lands or worlds. Pretty cool. I'm not big into the NFT Worlds ecosystem personally, but I know a lot of people that swear by it. Um, do you have any say between on this one or what do, what do you think? I think that having a way to, to bridge is always going to be a plus. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I think this is this, this is still pretty early. I think it's it's exciting that they're that they're building this out. But how fluid will it be? How easy will it be? Is always going to be a concern that I have. And I get that. Um, I think that when you look at different projects in this, I think this is where I get really hung up on this with Sandbox and with Decentraland and with what they're proposing in Wilder World. All of that sounds to me like you're going to be able to move through it pretty freely. Like it's going to be open world, right? You know, your Skyrim open world game, right? With this, it's like you have the plots and you're telling me I can't move between plots until there's portals? Yeah. Uh, yeah like I just, it, it feels really clunky. And I know that they've got massive plans for the in-game economy, but like it just... I want it to be I want it to be a fluid experience. I want it to be ready player one and I want it to be ready player now. <laughs> but, yeah, hopefully they, they get there. But yes. and oh, here comes the the big one that you're just so excited to unpack for the world. So I'm gonna tee this one up for you. So are you a zoo kidding me? I don't know how this thing even came to ha- like occur. So the Artist behind the big, big anime project, Azuki. If, in case you're not aware, Azuki is, is and has been the premier anime NFT project within the anime meta for months now. Okay. Their artist, a lot of people say, was blackmailed over the course of the last two weeks. And in that blackmailing, it was somebody like an NFT ethics account coming out and saying, to him privately, like, if you do not reveal this yourself and own up to it on your own, we're going to let the world know what you did. So he decided that he was going to try and spin it. Just like any ethical NFT um, player would do, right? So Zagabond is the name of the artist. And they decided to out themselves as a serial rugger in a really unique way. They went up on a medium and posted this long article talking about the journey to getting to where Azuki is today. 
And it goes on to talk about how he had launched three other projects. They were all experiments. And he tried to spin the whole thing as experiments. But every member of those communities remembers all too vividly that they were all rugged. Every single one of them. So you had the three projects were Funks, which is the basically mirrored punks. So punks face right, punks face left. You have Zunks, which is an entirely female-driven version of punks, derivative of punks. And you have Tendies, which I don't know anything about. But what was really interesting is I think he actually used the same name on one of the projects. And then he went under an alias on the others. So for Zunks being an all-female punks project, this guy actually posed as a as a woman. Like he he created a fully other persona and posed as a female founder just because he wanted to play into that trend. That is just so messed up on so many levels. But he decided that that was the play that he was going to make at the time. And it's all come back to absolutely bite him in the ass. And I don't know if if Azuki's going to recover that from this. I don't know if he's going to recover from this, but he went into panic PR mode and crisis communications mode and started to go onto Twitter spaces and try to like create a public discourse about it. Richard, it was some of the biggest Twitter spaces I've ever seen. <laughs> oh my God. Ah, I like, can imagine. So when you out somebody for losing money, oh, and you're going to now like go to an open forum where I can talk to you. Oh yeah, people go show up. Yep. Like, so there was this massive space that Andrew Wang hold held in the middle of the week on all this news. And it was his opportunity to like actually sit down for an interview with these guys. And it was to the point where like the audience kind of turned on Andrew. When in reality, he was just doing the best that he could with his journalistic platform because he has a ton of followers. So it just it totally backfired. Zagabon and the other founder were just defending their own actions across the board. It was very, very weird. But in this really, really well put tweet from quit.pcc.eth, he said, the Azuki spaces went about as horribly as you could imagine. Zagabon dodged questions, made zero promises for the future, and basically said, I don't owe you anything to the victims of his previous rugs, and then left the space without saying goodbye. Now, (laughs) oh, the nerve of this guy. And again, Quid is not making this up. Like, I was in the space. Yeah. It, this just happens to be a really good recap of it. Um, but it was so bad. And then by the end of the week, like, he, Zagabond completely reversed, um, said some words that you'll see on YouTube. I'm not going to read them because I don't want to get fired. And <laughs> basically announced, like, right by the end of the weekend, that all funds, royalties, and respective contracts have been returned to the Funks, Zunks, and Tendies communities. Now, is this the right PR move? Is this the right strategic move? I think it's the right thing to do. But at the same time, like, it's like it, you're doing it too little too late, right? Way too late. Way too late. I mean, is it the right thing? Sure. Come out the gates doing that. Like, yeah, look, take ownership. Like, why does it take going to an open forum having everyone rage at you to be like, oh yeah, I guess I messed up. And then like try to make it right and be like, hey guys, look, I tried to make it okay. Like, nah, you're, 
unfortunately you're tarnished at that point. Like it, ah, and, and it, and it sucks. Right. Cause then you have all these people who like worked on Azuki with them and like, you're probably like, you know, part of the community and hyping it up, doing all this stuff. And then it's, it's really demoralizing when you get behind a project and you do all these things and, and then something like this happens. And in this scenario, was he doxxed? Sure. But it goes to the power of showing why it is dangerous to get involved in projects where the founders are undoxed. No, but see, that's the thing. He's not doxxed. Zagabond, that's not his name. Like, he's still an on. Hmm. Okay, so like, this is still ongoing. But I think that this has kind of been a wake-up call to a lot of people. And like I, I've started hearing it way more often now than ever. But you need to realize that in this world, you shouldn't be giving that type of money to people who aren't willing to wear it based on what they've done and what their track record is. Like that's what look, I've I've ranted about it enough in the past that I don't need to do I, I don't need to get into it again. But man, it is a messed up situation. Um, and I think that a lot more people are going to start being critical about it. And doxing is going to have to start becoming a, a more mainstream practice. Um, because there's too many rugs out there. And whether that's a hard rug or it's a soft rug, and that's not like to be punny, like those two very different concepts that we do not have time in this episode to break down. If you'd like to understand what a soft rug versus a hard rug is, let us know. We'll make some side content for you and make sure that we educate on that content. But This world is brutal sometimes. And that's what we saw here. The Azuki floor went from like the 30s down to nine. And it was was quick. Yeah. So again, I think a lot of these things, they just happen and it hurts like hell. But that's why we have different segments so that we can move the hell on. This is... So this is where in the show we decide to have a little bit more fun instead of talking about rug pulls and getting scammed and all this fun stuff. Today in Buy, Seller, Hoddle, our game, we're answering a hypothetical scenario. The market starts to recover. What do you do? So you have three options. and You have to assign each of these options to a corresponding answer. So your three prompts are... Bitcoin and large cap altcoins. So Bitcoin, Solana, Ethereum, Cardano, Polkadot, anything in the top 20. Let's just call it that. Okay. Then you have microcap altcoins and NFTs, or as I like to call them, high-risk gambling plays. <laughs> and then you have stable coins for yield farming. So Richard, the market is crap right now. That's not a secret. But my question yeah. is, if we're right now starting to recover and we've actually already had the bottom come in, hypothetically... What are you buying? What are you selling? What are you hodling? So, man. So, this is what I like. And again, this is going to be, this is what I, Rich Carthon, would do in this scenario and what I'm looking at in this, in this very moment. And uh, the stable coins for yield farming, basically, I have been uh, hodling that during these down during the downtime, right? Like while, while this has been going on, like it's been a way to like have some stabilization during all this. But if I think it's starting to turn, I'm selling that so that I can then use that liquidity to buy micro caps and NFTs because those are going to have your biggest multipliers. 
And then I'm going to hodl my Bitcoin in large caps that I have been hopefully DCAing or have been DCAing hopefully to the bottom so that I can ride it on up and just watch uh, watch what happens with that so I can always take profit from that if I want to. And then keep trying to invest into these micro cap alts slash NFTs. How about you? So in the practical world, I'm doing exactly what you said. In the real world, my portfolio doesn't even know what stable coins are. (laughs) (laughs) So I I think for like the sake of just not getting an egg on my face, I'm just going to say I totally agree with you. You had it right. (laughs) It it, it really does hurt sometimes because like I... I really love NFTs and I believe they're the future. And when you take an L there, like it hurts. It hurts. But man, you you learn so much. You learn so much. So like in this situation where like I'm just being an ass hat and like riffing to you and why I say like in the real world, like I don't know what stable coins are because for me... I'm I'm hodling on stable coins. I'm hodling on yield farming because to me that's better than having my money in a savings account. I'm probably going to end up selling my big my Bitcoin and large cap altcoins because that's going to be the first thing to recover, and then I'm going to be putting more money into micro caps and alts and NFTs. And when I say that, I really just mean NFTs because <laughs> I I believe that honest to God NFTs are going to be the culture driver going forward. There's so much content that comes off of it. There's so much enablement and empowerment for communities. It again, I, I think that we're going to see it become a real meaningful part of the cultural zeitgeist across the world going forward. Um, I think that Bitcoin and large cap altcoins have an absolute place in that. I just personally think that the upside is there within altcoins and NFTs. And if I'm going to invest in anything, because again, we're talking about large caps being top twenty. I also would want to be investing in projects that are the pick and shovel plays that enable the metaverse and enable NFTs. Because guess what? They got crushed by this last downturn. Got crushed. Still getting crushed. Yep. And to me, I think that's where you DCA into. I'd be looking at engine coin all day long. Um, And to me, that's why I'm saying like I would would absolutely huddle on my stable coins and start getting money out of the large caps and in the hope that you're selling positive so that you can start blowing money back into the micro caps early. So when they do actually pump next, you're going to see something astronomical happen. Um, but again, there's nothing to say that that's going to happen shortly or even soon. This is all hypothetical. And that's also the reason why it's not financial advice. So don't come after me. Don't at me on Twitter. But in fact, add us on Twitter. You're more than <laughs> welcome to reach out to us. And we're happy to carry on the conversation with you after the fact. Um, we love doing these shows for you guys. We have a lot of fun doing them, if you can't tell. And we're going to continue doing them for you every Wednesday here on the Aftershock. We, of course, do release content through our podcast platforms, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Or, of course, here on YouTube, um, Mondays and Fridays are in our interview series. This past Monday, as I said at the top of the show, I got to sit down with Roy, aka Zeneca33, to talk about how to stay sane during uncertain times. And also getting caught up a little bit on Zen Academy. But Richard, who are you sitting down with on Friday? 
Friday, I talked to Deepin Shu. Um, he's the founder of Asset Mantle. Um, they're working on a really cool project where basically they're building NFTs on top of the Cosmos ecosystem. And they're basically giving you a quick way to be able to tokenize your company and different pieces of it, um, utilizing NFTs and being able to do a lot of other really cool things on top of that. So something definitely worth checking out. Yep. Deep's got a really interesting company. And I believe you can also still go over to Asset Mantle's site to check and see if you're eligible for a token claim. They were doing an airdrop for their own token a little bit ago. And it was somewhat based off of your OpenSea volume. So give that a look. Check that out. And of course, feel free to leave us a review. Let us know how you thought we did on this episode. Or leave us a comment over on YouTube. But otherwise, man, I think that we're good for today. I think that we covered all of the terrible news. And <laughs> we've got a really... With a smile on our face. With a smile on our face. We've got a bright week ahead. Whole new opportunity to see the market tumble further. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's only funny because there's probably going to be more pain. But we'll see. Again, I so I have this thing where I constantly joke because like it's the only way that I know how to get through painful times. But it's because I also know that on the other side of it, you will make it through. Every yes. single one of us is going to make it through. There is no question in my mind that we're going to make it through this. The global economy is going to recover eventually. It just may not be as soon as you want it to be. Number doesn't always go up. No, That's, that... part, that's part of the game. But do you have any final words for our audience before we sign off for this one? Wag me. We're all going to make it. And uh, keep tuning in. We're going to keep giving you all the things you need to look out for. And uh, as always, y'all, stay cryptocurrent. We'll catch you next week. Have a good one. 